Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Keen Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You like that? Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. Every week we break down movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and we give you a detailed analysis of a chosen movie of the week. Don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we'll warn you when we go into spoilers. And please stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommends in which each of us suggests something that you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all of our episodes and weekly recommends on madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Tyler Perry's The Single Moms Club. No, wait, oh, uh, my bad. The exact opposite of that, Grand Budapest Hotel. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustav H. Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I became his pupil, and he was to be my counselor and guardian. The police are here. Tell them I'll be right down. So movie number two of Wes Anderson's that we've broken down in depth on this podcast. Yeah. Moonrise Kingdom last year. Uh, ended up being one of our most popular episodes of 2013. So we've got a lot to live up to uh, with this Grand Budapest Hotel review because our, our Moonrise Kingdom episode might be my favorite of all time. If I, if I remember correctly, a lot of Amanda Pete jokes in that episode. <laughs> You're welcome, America. We yeah. did go through a pretty substantial Amanda Pete phase. <laughs> Definitely one of the highlights so far in the first 75 episodes of this here Mad About Movies podcast. My man, golly, I've been going on a huge Wes Anderson bender for like two and a half weeks because it just so happens that like one of my final uh, projects for film school uh, centers around Wes Anderson. So it's sort of been a crossover between my studies and my uh, personal watching with these movies. So I got a lot of Wes Anderson thoughts, guys. So hopefully you guys do too. So I want to spend the majority of this episode, guys, uh, in one of our favorite segments, American Treasures, if you guys don't mind. But I do have a couple of things I want to mention for movie news before we do that. Uh, Just quick notes here. Uh, A big story that we haven't mentioned in the show, and I'm surprised because it had been... Uh, announced a couple weeks ago, but there's just been so many movie news, rumors, rumblings that we've broken down, especially Star Wars related. And of course, Star Wars always takes precedent over everything news wise because we are the official podcast of Star Wars. So, right, gotta fulfill contract obligations, really. <laughs> but we talked about Aaron Sorkin's involvement in this Steve Jobs biopic. Mm-hmm. And so the Steve Jobs biopic script has been turned into Sony. Written by Aaron Sorkin, who wrote, of course, The Social Network and great shows on television such as The Newsroom and The West Wing. I would say great shows such as The West Wing and shows like The Newsroom. Yeah. <laughs> great, well, well-written shows is what I was implying. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. So big anticipation from a lot of people uh, for this script from Aaron Sorkin. 
Sony scooped up the authorized biography of Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson uh, shortly after Steve passed away. And so this is going to be, I guess, the official Steve Jobs movie. And so Sony has tapped a director for this uh, film, and it's uh, pretty much confirmed at this point. The director of the Jobs biopic is David Fincher. And so that's – what are y'all's reactions to that? I have some more news, but I don't uh, know. Is Aston Kutcher signed on, or what are we gonna do? <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. But I, I guess that's the most obvious choice, right? Like when the news came out that Sorkin was gonna do this, like what is he gonna get? Is Fincher gonna do it too? You know? Yeah. But like, how can anybody complain about that? You know? No, that's an awesome. No, totally. Um, can't wait. And Trent Reznor will do the music, of course. Yeah, yeah, he is. He Trent Reznor is doing Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, I should say, uh, are doing the music for. Fincher's new movie that's coming out this fall called Gone Girl, which stars Ben Affleck. Uh, so I guess this movie is slated for probably 2015, maybe yeah. early 16, yeah. I would say. And uh, so apparently the, the plot of the movie is not a biopic like childhood to death type biopic. It apparently is only three scenes that are each 30 minutes long. Wow. And each scene – it takes place backstage before one of Jobs' keynotes. Interesting. Huh. So it's sort of maybe like one-act plays, three okay. little one-act plays. I guess it would be a three-act play at that point. But huh. yeah, very concentrated, probably a lot of single takes, I would think. You know, oh, not yeah. a lot of cutting. Very emotional, knowing what if Sorkin. What if they're just 30-minute-long Sorkin walk-in talks? <laughs> I mean, don't him, like, count that out. <laughs> getting out of his car and walking to the stage for 30 minutes. Maybe he stops and takes a leak. Yeah. But the whole time he's just quipping. Yeah. I could see that. I, I honestly in. could see that as a possibility. But here's the big news, guys. David Fincher signed on. And, of course, the first question that people are going to ask him is, who's going to play Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. Easily the most important aspect of this. So he said, okay, there's only one person that's going to play him. Or I'm not directing this movie. So the person he thinks or he wants to play Steve is Christian Bale. Oh, okay. Okay. So basically David Fincher, Christian Bale, Aaron Sorkin's script, uh, that's the news. And so if Christian Bale doesn't do it, I guess Fincher's out because he said he's not doing it unless Christian Bale is Steve. Well, I mean, so. I was hoping he was going to say Vilter Valderrama, but... <laughs> Dang it. Uh, <laughs> that was the exact joke I was going to make. Really? Wilder Valderrama? <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, yeah, because Kutcher did the other one. I'll oh, just okay. That's, that, that's funnier than Topher Grace. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know you were... I, I thought you were just naming a random celebrity. I was like, how could y'all both name, <laughs> as a random celebrity, Wilder Val- Valderrama? No, it was uh, a That 70s Show joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two sides. Two sides. So had he not chosen Christian Bale, who would y'all have picked uh, maybe to play Steve? Uh. <laughs> um, man, now that you said Christian Bale, like that's all I can think of. That's a, I feel like that's a great. A lot of people, I mean, this people have been talking about this movie for a while because it took Sorkin forever to write the script due to the newsroom commitment and everything. But like people were saying. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis would be great, of course, but you yeah. got to think he probably wouldn't do it because his last movie was a biopic. I've heard uh, Stanley Tucci, of course, came up, especially later later years, Steve. I could see him doing quite well with that. You got to resemble him, too, is the thing. You, you got to think maybe they'll put Christian Bale in old age makeup mm. or something. He'll shave his head, I'm sure. I'm sure, like, 
what they're envisioning is going to be awesome. So I trust Fincher. I trust Aaron Sorkin. I trust Sony with this. It was a great book, by the way, if you haven't read it. It's just called Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. So check that out. You've got about two years to read that before the before the awesome. biopic comes out. So the audio book's great too. If you don't feel like reading it, sure. I, I that's one of the ones I audible, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. So oh, the um, the trailer debuted for The Rock's Hercules movie, <laughs> which is coming out this. Oh, did summer. it really? Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet, but I've seen uh, the poster and stuff. So is it the isn't it the Rat Man? Yeah, it's Brett Ratner. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. So, it's, I'm really looking forward to uh, Chris Tucker as uh, Agamemnon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you know The Rock doesn't – he plays four parts in it. You guys are aware of this, right? No. Um, yeah, hold on. Let me pull this up real quick. The, the studio demanded to finance that The Rock play more than just Hercules. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, hold on. All right, the Thracian Wars. Okay, uh, it's produced by Peter Berg, which will get you excited, Brian. He does. But uh, he plays Hercules. He also plays Zeus, and he plays Achilles in a flashback. Oh, so, man. wow. Yeah. Well, if there's any actor that we have that has the range <laughs> to play four or five different characters in one movie, it's probably former wrestler The Rock. Yeah. Yep. So, I'm actually really stoked about that now that I know that. Like that's incentive <laughs> to see the movie just just to see him play four different people. I agree. I hope there are scenes between Hercules and Zeus because <laughs> <laughs> there has to be. Yeah. There, there's yeah. no way there's not. They'll- Joseph finds as well as in this. So B team finds. Yeah, um, they got the good one. <laughs> yeah, right, no thanks. <laughs> I saw the picture uh, of of Dwayne Johnson. I'm, I'm assuming he's going by Dwayne Johnson in this movie and not The Rock. Yeah, it's Dwayne Johnson as Hercules. Yeah. yeah. So, or I saw the picture of Dwayne Johnson as Hercules, and he all he did was grow his hair. Yeah. Like, like that's it. Like he's and just somehow get even more yoked. Like, yeah. Oh, the Rock yeah. is defined physics at this point. With he's already huge, and every year he just gets bigger. I saw a picture of him like next to Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And he's like twice as big as Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because he's the thing about The Rock is he's also 6'5. Like, you don't like Schwarzenegger and Sly Stallone, these other big guys are all like 5'10 and under. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But The Rock is like 6'5 and double jacked as they ever were. Yeah, he was like a college tight end or something, right? Yeah, defensive end. Defensive he played, end. I think he was at the, at the U at the same time as uh, either Ray Lewis or Warren Sapp. I don't know. You're which right. One, You're but right. That's that. got to be just. Anytime where you hope you get tackled by The Rock, yeah. you're like, gosh, that's the best case scenario. That couldn't have been fun to be a, a quarterback. Who uh, Terry Crews, also an NFL player. Yeah. And college player. I could I would love to, to see Terry Crews play <laughs> football. He needs to come back to football. That would be great. Cowboys need to sign Terry Crews. I love Terry Crews. I want to see Terry Crews do everything. As do I. He, he's one of my favorite people of all time. Future American yeah. treasure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I can get down with that. <laughs> and on that note, you guys want to oh, talk yeah. American treasures? Sure. Okay, guys. Hope you're prepared this week. Hope you've brought candidates to the table because let me tell you what. Have I brought candidates to the table this week? 
Let me yes. just bring up the note I keep on my phone. Yeah, I do that too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I have like a, and anytime an American treasure pops into my mind, I, I have to write it down or I'll forget. And I've got a lot this week, so I'm going to save mine, actually, uh, even though I'm dying to, to get this debate going. So for those of you who don't listen to the show all the time, American Treasure is a little Hall of Fame we've started here on the Mad About Movies podcast. You can find all of the members on our website. You want to check that out, but it's basically people that we feel really define cinema, really are an example of what's great about American cinema. And there's a requirement that you have to have been in the business for 25 years. Uh, preferably, you have to be older than 40. And the biggest requirement is sense of humor about oneself. So you have to have demonstrated, of course, a sense of humor in your career. You can't be a an angry, angry old guy. We should preface that we also have a subcategory of cultural or public figure American treasures, which do not fit into the film category, but are musicians, journalists, athletes, things like this as well. But there is a requirement for the public figure. You have to have at least been in one movie. Yes. You can be in uh, and not be an actor, but you have to have been in a movie before. So that's the requirement. So having said that, uh, let's get things kicked off here. And Richard. Mm-hmm. Who do you have to bring to the table? Uh, I can't believe it has. it's taken this long. We've discussed this before. A, a patron saint of this podcast, one of our favorite movie critics, along with Roger Ebert, Anthony Irwin Kornheiser. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Great pick. <laughs> okay. Uncle Tony. Yeah. Uncle Tony's a must. He's got to be. He's got to be in there. Man, that's good. <laughs> All right. He, ha- he has to be in. And, Just for okay. the penguin dance alone. And another rule I should another rule I should mention is two of the three of us have to vote yes in order for the person to right, be right. Abduct, inducted or abducted, or if abducted. you believe it, or if you believe in aliens, <laughs> or if we get really into our American treasures and we say, right. <laughs> yeah, we really want you guys to accept these trophies, guys. <laughs> so, but yeah, if he man. abducted Uncle Tony within like. 10 or 20 minutes, he'd be totally on board with us. He wouldn't even press charges. He'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. We're convinced that Uncle Tony would be a friend. For the listeners oh, I- who aren't familiar, Uncle Tony, a.k.a. Tony Kornheiser of Pardon the Interruption fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard, what are the reasonings behind bringing Tony to the table? Okay. Long time uh, style, culture, and sports writer for the Washington Post, acclaimed newspaper writer, author of several books, Host of now the twelve years and running, uh, almost thirteen, 13 year long, yeah. thirteen years and almost coming up to September uh, show on ESPN. Pardon the interruption. Uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the best radio hosts in the country with his show out of DC. Um, always willing to make fun of himself if you don't believe it. Just watch the first five, first thirty seconds of any PTI show. Um, and great movie critic. One of probably one of the people we listen to the most. Yeah. Uh, um, on movies. Uh, and need I say more? Oh, he was in Mr. 3000. So he's been in a film. And a Does that count? Does Mr. 3000 count, guys? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it counts, man. Bernie Mac. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, right. Man, I can't, I can't say no to Uncle Tony. And uh, so Tony Kornheiser gets my public figure votes. Brian, right. what do you think? Yeah, no question. Easiest vote we've had yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. I can't. I can't argue with that. So I'm a little ashamed we haven't put him in originally. Yeah. So. Congratulations, yeah. Tony Kornheiser. And take him off now. American <laughs> treasure, Tony Kornheiser. Yeah, he'll be stoked about that. I'm sure. Yeah, he will. We need to send him a vest. We, we should. Vest. 
Uh, Brian, who do you have? Who do you have to nominate? All right, I'm going to bring. Uh, so we've talked before about how we don't have any women in the American Treasure Ooh, Hall of Fame. Good, a, like, oh yes, uh, yeah. What a, a a bad mark it is. It's a travesty, uh-huh. really. Yeah. So uh, one of our dear listeners, who was one of our original listeners, my 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 good friend Emily Tate. Shout out to Emily Tate. What up, uh, girl? Rec- it is. She's a girl. She is. Um, what up? I know. Uh, she recommended a, a a lady that we needed to consider, and I wholeheartedly agree. So I'm going to bring to the table one Julia Louis Dreyfus. Oh man, you stole mine! Uh-huh. No joke. Nice. Two God. sides. Kids. Yeah, dude. Yeah. SNL in the '80s gets so my vote. Yeah. yeah. SNL, Seinfeld, Arrested Development. I don't think I need to go any further. Definitely Beep. has a great sense of humor about herself. I think Veep puts that on full display. She's fantastic to have at award shows and such. Yeah, um, she's very funny. The bit that she did accepting her uh, was a Golden Globe with yeah. Tony Hale that came up behind her playing his Veep character. That was tremendous. Um, yeah, she's she's she reaches our age requirement okay. uh, and uh, one of the funniest women in in the world, I would say. So yeah, uh, aging well too. I watched yes. watching Seinfeld yesterday, and I was like, I would rather date. Yes. 2014 Julia Louis-Dreyfus than this 1995 version. So good for no her. No question. Yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is 100%, without a doubt, American treasure. So All awesome, right. awesome uh, nominee, Brian. So we're thank two for two you. so far, guys. Yeah. Uh, pressure's on me, I guess. Who should I bring, a female or male? I'm going to go male. All right, guys. American treasure Bruce Willis. Ooh, I've heard he's kind of a jerk from several people. Now, one of those is Kevin Smith, who I'm pretty sure I would be a jerk to. <laughs> yes. Right. So I'm willing to forgive that. Um, hmm. This is a tough one. Okay, let's go over the qualifications. He has been in film for 25 years. Absolutely. He's done some great work. He's done a lot of great work. Uh, one of the most iconic characters, if not the most iconic character in action movie history with John McClane in the Die Hard series. Uh, definitely has a comedic bone in his body. Well, as we've seen. Yards. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's comedic gold, if anything. But more specifically, and uh, applicable to tonight's episode, Moonrise Kingdom, uh-huh. which comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Great in that last year. And uh, just an overall funny guy. I mean, he's done SNL, he's hosted before. And was very funny. He hosted this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple months ago. So, meets the qualifications. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, I Like you said, Richard, I mean, we haven't met these people. So, the people that are already in the American Treasure Hall of Fame might be mean people in person. We just don't know because we haven't met him. So, I don't know if that can be a reason for him not to get in. Is that but he does he have a sense of humor about himself? I think oh, that's absolutely. And he and fought. also, is he an American citizen? Because he was born in Germany, and Ooh. I, But it appears that he was born on a military base, so I don't know how that. It's a John McCain situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not John McClane. John McCain. Right. Um. Ooh, that's know? tough. I didn't know he wasn't born in America. I just assumed. I, I didn't either. This is close. I'm going to kick off voting. Okay. And I'm going to say no. I think he has a sense of humor. I don't know if he has a sense of humor about himself. I don't know. Did you see G.I. Joe Retaliation? <laughs> <laughs> like that was just making fun of like 
himself, basically. I'm well, I mean, just, you guys still have two votes, so campaign. He is to Brian an American now. citizen, as he was born on a U.S. Uh, okay. military. Okay, base. there you go. Well, so there's that. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna vote. I'm, I'm gonna vote yes. Okay. Um, and I, I think that's the closest one we've had, like more so than uh, Alec Baldwin, which was I think was the closest vote to this point. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he has a great sense of humor about himself, but I do. I do think there's a there's a certain amount of that based in his his movie choices. Like you get the feeling that he know that he's in on the bit when he's in a bad movie. Personally. Yeah, that's what I mean with GI Joe. And he's in Die Hard, and Die Hard is the greatest action movie of all time, so that that doesn't hurt. Yeah, I'll, I'll vote yes. I honestly wouldn't have brought him to the table until last year or two years ago when I saw Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Because honestly, before then, you can't like picture Bill Murray and him in a movie together and it working very well. But it did, and definitely like American Treasure status uh, performance. Just in that. Trying to out-dry each other. Plus, yeah. he shouted yippee ki expletive. At the end of a New Jersey Nets game in 2007. So, <laughs> so there you go. Good. Automatically inducted into the American Treasure Hall of Fame. So Bruce Willis is in? Yeah. I mean, if, if yeah. Brian voted, yeah. yeah. Okay. Two to one. Okay. Yeah. You're, I didn't know if you voted yes. So. Yep. All right. Yep. I'm going to bring one more to the table. And this one comes to us courtesy of our friend Brandon uh, Richard, Brandon Luna, uh, oh, from okay. the podcast we guested on this Calypso. Yeah. Cigar review podcast. Sure. He uh, he emailed me the, the day later, and he was like, "Man, I forgot to mention on the show. Definitely American Treasure. You guys need to talk about." And so, on behalf of Brandon and that podcast, I bring to the table American Treasure Christopher Walken. Ooh, yeah, uh, yes, I would vote yes on that. Sometimes too much of a sense of humor about himself, but uh, we don't we don't put a uh, cap on it. So I would vote yes. All right, well, he's in. Or actually, uh, I, I have to vote since I didn't bring this to the table. Uh, man. I can't say no. I can't think of a reason for him not to be in American Treasure. Brian, was he born in the U.S.? He was. Okay, Queens. there we go. There we go. Let's all, okay, let's all start doing Christopher Walken voice in three, no, I can't do two. It. <laughs> <laughs> we'll lose every subscriber and listener immediately. Trust me. If we haven't already. Um, yeah, my, my vote would be yes. Yeah, I think Chris Walken's great. So I mean, just to, just for the Continental alone on SNL. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just for the... <laughs> and the and cowbell. more Cowbell, yeah. yeah. I mean. And Deer Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's as funny as performance. <laughs> Catch me if you can. He should get in for Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I know. Gosh. It's so great. Pulp Fiction, guys? Come on. Yeah. Bruce yeah. Willis and him should get in for Pulp Fiction alone. Wow. So tonight, we got, everybody got in, guys? Every nominee? Yeah, it's like it. So we got yep. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. We've got Bruce Willis. we got mm-hmm. Christopher Walken and Richard. Uncle Tony. Uncle Tony Kornheiser. Wow. Banner day for American Treasures. Huge day. day. Yeah, good great day. Great day for American Treasures and a great day for America. For the American Treasures inauguration show, I'm Richard Barden. <laughs> hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? 
Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. And on that note, guys, you want to move on? Yeah. And let's talk about... The Grand Budapest Hotel. You're looking so well, darling. You really are. I don't know what sort of cream they've put on you down at the morgue, but I want some. This is Madame D's last will and testament. To Monsieur Gustave H. I bequeath a painting known as Boy with Apple. Wow. What? Who's Gustave H? I'm afraid that's me, darling. Brian Gill, I'm going to let you start things off this week with uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel convo. Mm-hmm. You were uh, blowing absolutely up after this movie. In a good way. Yeah. Um, I saw like five tweets from you in a row or something, just saying how awesome it was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, all gibberish. Yeah, just, all- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I guess kick off your thoughts, and uh, I'll, I'll prepare my Wes Anderson slash Grand Budapest thoughts uh, while you're doing that. Give us some initial thoughts. Give us likes and dislikes. And uh, what did you like and dislike about Grand Budapest? Yeah, I probably should have gone back and listened to our Moonrise Kingdom episode before this just to make sure that I wasn't, like, repeating myself. I love Wes Anderson. I, I just – I wish that <laughs> – I wish that I could see things the way that he sees things, you know? He's just got this – obviously, he has a, a supremely unique style, but it's it's more than, than that. It's it's a – he has a way of, of, uh, of, of putting a scene together – and you watch it that way and you, and you, there's, and it's also kind of strange and, and, and weird, but there, as soon as you see it, there's no other way that you would, you can picture what's happening. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah. a, he puts that on screen and you're like, yep, that's exactly what that should look like. And it's just such a, he has such a unique voice. Um, and I, man, I just, I, I love every, I really do love everything he does. I haven't seen Life Aquatic in a long time. That was, to me, was the weak one. I know most people don't like uh, Darjeeling Limited, which I've only seen once, so that may be 
week as well. But um, Bottle Rocket and Royal Tenenbaums and Fantastic Mr. Fox and, and Moonrise Kingdom uh, are just are some of my my absolute favorite films. And it's gosh, it, it gets to the point where every time I come out of one of his movies, I have to stop myself and and kind of think, all right, I need to wait a few weeks before I really form an opinion on that because I just come out so blown away. And every time I go to see one of his movies, I come out thinking that's his best one yet. That's his best one yet. Um, I, I really do think Moonrise Kingdom was his crowning achievement. I thought it was just a fantastic film. And then I walked out of Grand Budapest and I'm thinking, man, that might've been better than Moonrise Kingdom. So uh, gosh, I love this movie. I mean, we're only like three months into the year, so it's, it's, pretty slim pickings, but this is easily the best movie of the year to this point for me. I expect it will be high, high on my list at the, at the end of the year. Um, I loved it. I thought Ray Fiennes was a brilliant addition to what, uh, Wes Anderson is doing. Um, man, it's such a, such a cool movie and it is so fun. It's just fun to watch a Wes Anderson movie because again, it's such a unique thing. It is so different from any other kind of movie that you're going to watch. And so, I went to see this the same day that I saw Divergent and like a day after I saw Muppets. Um, and it's just, there is, <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a different thing to watch one of Anderson's movie. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I, I have a great affinity towards Mr. Anderson as well. Uh, not Mr. Anderson from the matrix films, Wes Anderson. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was a lame joke. Sci- uh, it was sci-fi funny. joke. It was um, funny. <laughs> the <laughs> my favorite uh, Wes Anderson film. Racist films. though. Those were super racist. Sorry. <laughs> my favorite Anderson movie might be Rushmore. To be honest, uh, you didn't mention that one at all, Brian. I'm surprised. That's in my. I, I know that that one is the one that everybody loves. I did not see what Rushmore until on maybe right around moonrise kingdom honestly i don't think i think i missed it at some point i don't love that one that one is down there with life aquatic and uh and and darjeeling for me personally um but that's not to say it's a bad movie it's just not my favorite of his collection of films yeah i didn't feel that way either i saw i watched it like three times in the past month or something Mm -hmm. And I just like I'm so obsessed with Rushmore right now. Maybe I'm just on a Rushmore kick, but right now I would put Rushmore maybe number one. Moonrise is up there. Tenenbaums. Uh, I w- I'm pretty high on Life Aquatic as well, uh, stylistically, and I love Bill Murray in that movie. Um, probably his best Wes Anderson work, I think, other than Rushmore. And Grand Budapest. It's going to be tough, man, for me to put this. For me to rank this movie, this might be his best movie, and it might be like number four. You know, like yeah, because all his movies are good in their own way. But I really felt more than anything, and more than Moonrise Kingdom, people came out of Moonrise Kingdom. And they're like, well, that's just it's Wes Anderson being Wes Anderson. He's just doing what he's always done. Uh, but this movie sort of felt like he had look. He looked at his filmography thus far. And he looked at every movie and was like, okay, what's the best part about all these movies? And I'm going to condense those all into one movie. You know, like there were the the whole like Ray Fiennes with the Lobby Boy thing was reminiscent of Rushmore and Bill Murray and Schwartzman's mm-hmm. character. Uh, the traveling aspect 
was reminiscent of Darjeeling Limited, like the train sequences and everything. Uh, the, the hotel itself and the patrons of the hotel and the introduction of the patrons especially was very Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there were so many parallels to make with Wes Anderson's other work here, but it just felt like he looked at what he had done before and was like, okay, how can I do that but make it all better and, and cohesive into one story? This was just I, – I don't want to throw around the word masterpiece because – that means, you know, it's a very subjective term, but I, I can't find a, a flaw in this movie. This is just so good. Uh, I, I, th- I was worried when I went into it about the aspect ratio and how the non-widescreen format would work in a Wes Anderson movie because all of his films are very distinctively, or since Rushmore, I should say, are very distinctively, like, wide, very widescreen and the way he frames his, his shots – is very distinctive, but man, he, he mixed all the aspects of what he's done. Great. And gave us more. And the performance performances here are like you said, Brian, incredible. There's no other person that could have played Gustav H besides Ray Fiennes. He was totally agree. Absolutely brilliant. Like if he's not in the Oscar conversation next year, (laughs) like I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I haven't seen any of the other movies that are going to be nominated, but he has to be in the conversation. Like this is just magnificent work. He absolutely carries the movie, and a lot of other great uh, little moments in the film. But before we get into specifics more, uh, Richard, what yeah. did you think of this? So, uh, Royal Tenenbaums for several years of my life was probably my favorite movie. I think that's yeah. an awesome, awesome movie. That's that's obviously been surpassed by MacGruber now, but uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's just one of my favorite things ever, and it's I think Wes Anderson writes. And a very addicting style, like you were saying, Brian, like it kind of influences and informs everything you like after it in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I find like after I watch one of his movies, even like if I write an email, it has a certain <laughs> like uh, uh, flair to it in a dry way. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've seen I, I've, I've loved every Wes Anderson movie uh, aside from Darjeeling. Darjeeling's fine to me. Don't get me wrong. I think it's okay. It's fine. It's not my favorite. It just wasn't like he wasn't striving artistically for what he was going for in a lot of his other movies. That's why yeah. I think he gets a bad rap a lot of times. That, that I agree with you, though. Very well, be the case. I and so, uh, but it's a you know aquatic antenna bombs, um, Moonrise Kingdom. You know we've listed them all off. Uh, they're they're all wonderful in their own way and and uh this one right up in yeah you know this is almost if you were to make uh you know we talked about this earlier if if part of the reason i was nervous when i first saw this trailer was um if you were to make a parody of a wes anderson trailer you would make this trailer um it's almost uh, you you guys saw that wes anderson uh horror movie thing you know on snl this year it's almost felt like that i mean it was Mm -hmm. uh but he really pulled it off and it's like he, like you said, Ken, here's everything about me. Here's what I am. Instead of trying to change and make a, uh, you know, Man of Steel movie or something, he just doubles down on what he does and and just dares you to like it. Dares you to not like it, rather. And uh, and I think that's awesome. That's the sign of, you know, it. some people want to attack his kind of artistic credibility because he doesn't really change much aesthetically. But he certainly has like this certain vision and he sticks to it and just rides it yeah, out. And, yeah. uh, 
has this cast of people he enjoys working with and adds one or two people with them. And, you know, Ray Fiennes is like just otherworldly. He's in that upper echelon of, of actors. And, uh, and uh, he makes Voldemort terrifying and makes, you know, in Bruges is masterful. And mm. this is, and then you, you see him as this, you know, kind of odd duck character in this. He's, it's it, a wonderful movie. Um, uh, really fun to see. Laughed a ton. Uh, something about the timing. I honestly enjoyed this one. I don't know if it's a better movie than Moonrise Kingdom, but I enjoyed me the too. time in the theater a yeah, lot more. Yeah, me too. Um, Moonrise, I didn't leave with quite that um, euphoria that I do a lot of times leaving a Wes Anderson movie, but it came later, like several hours later. Oh, yeah, it was really good the more I thought about it. Uh, but uh, this was just like – this had a very um, – I'm sure other people have said this, but uh, kind of a live theater element to watching it, just the pacing of it and things like that. I almost felt like I was uh, at a play of some sort. Um, uh, just the way it moved around and, and it was kind of like had that exhilarating feeling of seeing something kind of live in in, in the flesh. Uh, so I love yeah. that about it as well. Um, but yeah, I won't I won't go on and on with with praise because that gets boring to listen to. But uh, I highly recommend this movie. I want to mention or comment on what you talked about, his commitment to what he does. I um, This past week, when I was on my Wes Anderson bender, I, I watched the Royal Tenenbaums. World's with, widest bender, by the way. <laughs> with Wes Anderson. with um, Royal Tenenbaums with the commentary uh, uh-huh. by Wes Anderson. Yeah. And I suggest doing that if anyone ha- out there has the Criterion version of any of his films. I think he does commentaries on all of them. But what he's talking about, and um, it really applies to all of his films, he was like, there were so many aspects of Tenenbaums and like the framing of certain shots and his commitment to overhead shots and slow motion and long tracking shots. Like that's the way he writes mainly. And he says it's just a there's a really like weird personality trait of his where rather than like on the day of while you're out there on the set, rather than trying something different. He's very much like ADD, like we have to do it the way it was meant to be done type thing, you know? So uh-huh. that's – I think that a lot of directors will go out there on the set and they'll just tr- mm-hmm. try several different angles maybe, several different angles of certain characters. And Wes Anderson is just so committed to like, okay, well, this is how I want it – this is how I envisioned it, so this is the way it's going to be done. He doesn't really um, change what he does. And he, he's been committed to really that since, I guess, Rushmore visually, mm-hmm. if you want to be specific – well, like since Rushmore, it's just been almost eerie, the similarities in all his films. Like there are several super cuts you can go online and like search Wes Anderson compilation or montage where it's like uh, everything centered exactly in the middle of the screen and a lot of the mm-hmm. shots. And he uses a lot of dollies and he uses like rotating sets and uh, cutaways and stuff like that, which I love. And this movie had all of that. It had like especially the – the jail sequence. And I want to start talking about the plot lines of this movie because when I watched the trailer, you're right, Richard, it did look like a a straight parody of a Wes Anderson movie. I didn't really research before I went into it on the, where the plot went or anything like that. I was really expecting like going in and seeing a movie about a hotel and about people at the hotel and their interactions. Like that's all I expected it to be was Wes Anderson's version of that. But what it turned into was so much was such a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Turned into yeah. like this caper, you know, yeah. really. 
And it was reminiscent to me, especially Ray Fiennes' performance of like Peter Sellers' Pink Panther mm-hmm. movies. Yes. yes, yes. It was so nostalgically good like that to me. And the sets were absolutely beautiful. It was beautifully shot. Um, I appreciated the ambition here with a lot of the special effects, especially <laughs> like this was the most adult movie that Wes Anderson's ever made. Maybe like there were several moments that the characters, especially Ray Fiennes' character would say like something random that had nothing to do with the plot, but just to like stir up controversy. Like when him and uh, zero, the lobby boy are, are talking about how they're going to split up the money. They're like, well, besides all the money that we spend on prostitutes and whiskey or whatever, <laughs> like yeah. there's no reason to say that, but it just gives you a good sense of his character. But there were several like adult like references and stuff like that. The complete opposite of what he was doing with Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like, Moonrise Kingdom is almost a movie for like 12 year olds. You know, it really it's it's centered on like young kids, and it just brings back memories of like young childhood. But this one is just you can tell he took a lot of influences. From, from old movies and made them his own thing. But what did you guys think of the whole caper aspect of it, the plot line in general? Brian, what did you think of it? I, I loved it. And I, to both of your points, the, the argument that Wes Anderson uh, doesn't make anything, just does the same movie over and over again to me, um, what he does is he does his version of yeah, a, he's whatever, an auteur, you know, it's, it's, this is my version of a, a heist with bottle rocket. This is my version of what it's like growing up at a private school for, with Rushmore. This is his version of a wartime caper. And it's fantastic. I, I love the plot. I thought it was a really, it was really cool. The way that he built the story, um, and, and the way that the narrative unfolds, cause you kind of have it being told in, in three different um, settings, which is cool. Uh, man, I, I loved it. I love the whole, I love the, the, uh, the aspect of jumping back and forth between, uh, F. Murray Abraham with Jude Law and then back to the past with, yeah. with Lobby Boy and, and Ray Fiennes. And even the small parts of, uh, that, uh, Tom Wilkerson is in, I, I died laughing at the very beginning of the movie within like 20 seconds when, uh, when Wilkerson is sitting there dictating uh the beginning yeah, of the, yeah. the, the story and then he just starts yelling at his kid like yeah that crushed me that was just such a funny random moment uh no i thought the narrative structure was one of his maybe gosh it might be his best as far as that is concerned his best film from a from a narrative standpoint and and a uh just the way it is built, um, there's a lot. It, it's much more complex, I think, than a lot of his other films have been on that level. Um, so I, I absolutely appreciate. It. I thought it was fantastic. Supporting cast was also Gosh. really good. Maybe my favorite, um, Adrian Brody performance. <laughs> other aside than the from those Gillette commercials, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, those are great. Andre three thousand is actually way better in those. So yeah. that's all I pay attention to. There is. Uh, there is uh, Willem Dafoe also, um, like just yeah. him standing in the background a lot of times just made me absolutely. He was he's so great in uh, Life Aquatic. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, the last time I watched it, I definitely paid attention more to his character. He has a lot to offer that movie. Yeah. But this is um, great work from all the supporting cast. Of course, there's the Schwartzmans and the Murrays of the worlds and the Owen Wilsons. But 
I like how Wes Anderson can bring somebody new into the fold and yeah. have it work. Like Sauras Ronan, Sauras A. Ronan, I don't know her name. Great job uh, in this movie as Zero's little love interest. And who else was in this? Tilda Swinton? Yeah. In a lot of makeup? <laughs> it's very interesting. This I felt like this movie more than at least recent ones, and maybe, maybe all of them, uh, relied less upon his standard cast than 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 others do like this is all about ray fines and the kid who played zero right and a couple others and, and certainly defoe and brody and all these other guys were were involved but um i didn't feel like he was he put it i felt like they were there because they show up for a wes anderson movie less so than he had to have them as part of the 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 driving force behind the movie does that make sense yeah no, no, it totally makes sense. Richard, uh, who, what performances did you like? Ray Fiennes was, was, I mean, out of this world. Um, gosh, always good to see Owen. Um, it is. Oh, we didn't mention. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going through the cast list, like going through who. Uh, freaking Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. yeah who's yeah. Uh, wonderful in Life Aquatic, but just fantastic in this. Uh, hadn't seen Jude Law in a while. Fun to see him. He um, was good. If I can interject, I just got to mention – uh, Edward Norton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he shows up in the movie, it, I maybe got the biggest laugh in the entire movie in my, yeah. my screening, at least because the entire like first 15 minutes, you're, it's this very like European, like sophisticated film with like all these, you know, accents from different places. And it's very sophisticated and, and such. And then like <laughs> Edward Norton shows up as a police officer and like the goofiest mustache and uniform <laughs> yeah. ever. And it's just a, like a six-second pause, and in the widest voice ever, he's like, what's going on in here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it got, like the biggest laugh for no reason. It's not even a funny line or anything, but just the visual of him yeah. and the voice that came out of that was just so classic. And um, Wes Anderson uses him to great effect, too. I never thought I would like Edward Norton in a Wes Anderson movie, but dude, Wes Anderson with anybody, he can make anybody fit in this like weird style that he does. Sure. But he was absolutely awesome. So anybody else, Richard, that you were going to mention? Harvey Keitel? Uh, Harvey Keitel's good. Uh, Jude Law. Um, Dude, the, mean, Jude, the Jude Law, F. Murray Abraham, uh, reminded yeah. me of like Life of Pi. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Titanic, movies like that. I'm sure yeah. that's there's a term for that type of... Uh, device? Plot device. There you go. Oh, Bob Balaban as Brian, one of Brian's favorites. Yep. That might have been my favorite sequence. One of yes. my favorite sequences in the movie was the when they're calling everybody on the phones. What were they saying? Yeah. Oh, take over here or something like that. So the calling scene with Bob Balaban that introduces mm-hmm. him and introduces Bill Murray. Uh, so, so well put together. There are so many well put together scenes in this movie. I, mm-hmm. I want to be more specific without giving away spoilers uh, so far. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the movie. So when they break out of the jail, a uh, great sequence, like a chase sequence when they get on the skis. Yes. That, that was really like Wes Anderson using his like stop motion, his love for stop motion. That that was shot so well. Like mm-hmm. you could tell they took a lot of time, like pre-visualizing a lot of the action scenes in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this review, uh, he takes advantage of special effects really, uh, yeah. really well with this movie, and uh, it, it's he's kind of branching off into new t- and uncharted territory for him. 
it's almost like half or a quarter action movie <laughs> than um, stuff he's usually done. I guess you can make an argument for Life Aquatic. Uh, it has some action elements towards the end. Mm-hmm. And um, so I love Jeff Goldblum, Richard. I'm glad you brought him up. I love him and everything. And I should mention that uh, Anderson is producing a movie with with Noah Baumbach that's uh, Bogdanovich uh, directed, which has Will Forte. So we're close to getting really? our dream, our dream oh, of wow. Will Forte in a Wes Anderson movie. Hopefully, maybe the next one. Yeah, or he could just direct MacGruber too. <laughs> <laughs> he could like rip out their throats, and it's like paper mache or something. <laughs> I thought the MacGuffin of the Boy with Apple painting. I thought that was genius. Like I, I was thinking about like the the aspect of the painting. I was I started to think about and be reminded of. Unfortunately, the monuments men. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, man, I appreciate art so much more after seeing this <laughs> than I ever yeah. did seeing the monuments men. <laughs> yeah, and Bill Murray was way better in this, even though he had two lines when he showed up with that mustache. Like I don't know why Wes Anderson like. A mustache is so important to him for a character. <laughs> but the mustache makes all the difference here, really. Totally. It does. And with um, characters in his other movies as well. So any glowing concerns with Grand Budapest Hotel, guys? Anything you all didn't like about it? The only thing I'll say is if you are not a Wes Anderson fan, you're going to hate this movie. Like this is maybe the most Wes Anderson-y Wes Anderson movie yet. So if you haven't <laughs> appreciated – Moonrise Kingdom or Royal Tenenbaums or any of these others. And and I, I definitely think that that Anderson is a – it's a love or hate thing. Like if you don't get it, you're going to hate whatever movie he's doing. I think that's especially true with this one. I, you know, we all happen to love Wes Anderson movies and so I, this, this plays almost like a greatest hits of Wes Anderson and that's fantastic. But if – man, if you're not a Wes Anderson fan, just don't even – don't even think about it. Don't even bother. Now, do you think this would be a good introduction for somebody who's maybe never seen a Wes Anderson film before? Or can you think of another one that might be a better intro? Maybe Moonrise? I think Moonrise is the most accessible mm-hmm. of his films, so I think that's the best one to start with. I would, I mean, like I said, this does play kind of like a greatest hit, so it is kind of a great introduction to, like, this is all the elements you're going to see if you go back and watch you know, his, his entire catalog of films. Uh, but I, I think, excuse me, guys. I think Moonrise Kingdom is the one that if if somebody had never seen a Wes Anderson movie, this is the one I'm going to sit them down and watch. And if they like that, then we can delve into some of the the more random films. But that one has such a more straightforward uh, narrative. You can understand that one, even if you don't love the visual style. I think it's closer to a a standard visual style um, than than the other films are. So yeah, that's the one that I would start with. Yeah, I'm going to give this movie an A, or an A+, plus. actually. I really want to see this movie again, to be honest. Yeah. I think I might be going tonight, guys. Really? Nice. You're lucky. I'm jealous. But like immediately when I left the theater, I just wanted to see it again immediately. <laughs> like It was euphoric, to steal a word from Richard. What are y'all's grades? I'm going to go an A. Richard? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go A+. Plus. Boom. So good. Man, hopefully he releases a movie next year. Hopefully we'll get a Wes Anderson movie like every year. It's probably going to be every two years. Yeah, this is the shortest time we've ever gone. Yeah, it does seem like that. So I'd kind of expect, unfortunately, we're probably going to wait three or four before the next one. It sucks, man. (laughs) 
Uh, alright guys, let's move on, and let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. Alright guys. Weekly Recommends. I'm going to recommend a television show that I don't know if you guys have seen. It's a comedy show slash reality show slash game show, kind of. Um, it aired on the CBC a while back. It briefly aired on Comedy Central. It's called Kenny vs. Spinny. And it's probably the most... One of the most offensive shows of all time. <laughs> so, only the, the gentlemen, the, the MacGruber crowd, the gentlemen between ages 18 and under under 40, and no females allowed. <laughs> this is um, a hilarious, hilarious, hilarious show. It's basically just two guys that are roommates, and they just compete against each other in random contests, like who can go longest without sleeping, you know, who can um, dance the longest, who can offend more people, and all these random competitions. So there's like six seasons of competitions that they do, and... It's 100% real. Like, these guys legitimately, like, compete against each other. And some of the stuff you just won't believe that they that they do to each other. Have you guys seen it? No, I haven't. I I've never even heard of it. You haven't seen it? Oh, I've wow. Heard of it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Well, you guys are in luck. And I want to recommend it because they put all their episodes on YouTube for free. Nice. To download. Yeah. But there are some that are very offensive. Like, even the, the premise alone is just like, why would anyone even want to watch that? competition but check it out on youtube kenny versus spinny i'll link it on our website madaboutmoviespodcast.com under weekly recommends and it's one of the one of the funniest shows of all time but like i said uh very adult oriented and don't have the kiddos in the room when you watch it it's 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 for uh when the kids go to bed boom so brian what you recommend yeah, I'm gonna. Like I said last week, I bought a bunch of uh, Criterion Blu-rays during their uh, the big sale a few weeks ago, and I've been slowly working my way through those. Um, and this last week, I watched a movie that I hadn't seen in maybe ten or eleven years. Uh, that was up for a couple of Academy Awards when it first came out, um, and that is Steven Soderbergh's Traffic. I don't yeah. know if you guys have ever uh, have ever seen it. I got it uh, got it on a, an old Criterion collection. Um and uh, and and check that out, man! What a great movie! Such a downer, like not a movie you want to watch if you're in a bad place or anything. Sol- it's just... Solid on a first date, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> oh, seriously. DVD. Yep. Really? Wow. Mm. Yep. Your choice yep. or hers? Hers. I was like wow. 19, just threw in the traffic DVD with a group of friends, and nice. uh, I didn't really know what to do, so I just sat there. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, it's uh man, it's not a it's not an easy watch. It's not a fun movie to to take in. Um but it's it's got a lot it's certainly got a lot to say about the war on drugs uh and drug culture of the time. I think it came out in 2000. Uh-huh. Uh Soderbergh has such a uh I would say a very unique way of filming a movie. So even in it's got a kind of a grainy texture even on like hyper yeah. ridiculous Blu-ray. But uh, but it works really well for the film for what for what's uh, taking place. Um, like I said, it's been a long time since I'd seen it. It was good to be kind of reacquainted with it and see. Man, it's got a ton of people that you'll recognize. It, I believe it won Benicio del Toro an Oscar that yeah, year yeah. for uh, best supporting actor. Don Cheadle's great. Um, Catherine Zeta Jones great. There's a lot of great performances. Uh, Michael Douglas always great, uh, and and it, like I said, it does have a lot to say. So 
give it a shot, especially if you get a chance to look at it on Criterion. Uh, obviously, I think anytime you can watch a movie on Criterion, it's going to be better than just about any other home viewing experience. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, give Traffic a shot. Cool. Richard? Yeah, my weekly recommend is a, is a book I'm reading right now. Uh, just finished it actually this morning uh, before I went into work. Uh, it's it's uh, called This Town. Uh, it was kind of the uh, political book du jour of last summer, so I'm a little late on it. I'm about six months late on it, but uh, better late than ne- never. It's kind of a firsthand account of D.C. political culture, um, which you guys probably don't think you're fascinated with, but I think you would actually really enjoy this book. Um, it's it's not about elected politicians, rather the staffers and television people and newspaper writers that are always in Washington, people that don't get elected, the people that stay there for 50 years. <laughs> it's about all of those people. Uh-huh. Um, and just how uh, really DC uh, or kind of politics fame watching has become kind of just as detrimental as TMZ. These people are kind of treated like, you know, Jen and Ben or whatever. And it's like the chair of the house finance committee Um, and how small this world is and how the whole thing is based on power lunches and things like that. It's a really, really funny book. Like the guy who wrote it, uh, Mark Leibowitz is, is a, uh, he's the head, the Washington DC bureau chief for the New York times. Uh, But this book is written really sarcastically and it's full of little things like, you know, I've been in Washington for 20 years writing about this stuff. I know full well I'm part of the problem. So here's the <laughs> problem. Uh, here's the problem. And uh, it's uh, – I, I just I, – I enjoyed it immensely. So it may not be something you're interested in, but if you ever read a political book, I would highly recommend uh, This Town by Mark Leibowitz. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Uh, let me ask you this, Brian. Where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at Richard Barden on the Twitter. Kent, if I were perusing the internet for the wares of Kent Garrison, where would I find them? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all of our episodes on there and weekly recommends on there and American Treasures on there Which as well. have added four new people. Yeah, yeah, a fully updated list of all our American Treasures. Go check that out. And uh, on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. We got room keys. Girl, you want to come to my hotel? Maybe I will leave you my room key. I'm feeling the way you carry yourself, girl. And I want to get with you because you're a cutie. So if you want to come to my hotel, all you got to do is holler at me. Because we're having an after party. Checking out six in the morning. Morning, morning, morning. Checking out six in the morning.